Okay, welcome back to the Golf Preview Podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. My name is Will Doctor, alongside James Ledbetter, and it is Players Championship Week at TPC Sawgrass and Led. Welcome to the new age of golf, my friend, because for the first time in history, each of the top five players in the world um, are under 30 years old after Scotty Scheffler's victory at Bay Hill. Yeah, it's incredible. The, uh, the youth movement is in uh, full effect. Unbelievable week for Scotty. Uh, that's not two wins and three starts after getting his uh, first PGA Tour win at the Waste Management. The floodgates are opening for that, man. Um, Will, were you able to watch the golf on Sunday? Yeah, I was. It was, um, you know, it was really an unbelievable Sunday. I mean, Scotty didn't even have his best stuff at all. I mean, I think he hit under like 77% of his fairways. I saw that was. Um, I saw five fairways and nine greens or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was something like that. I mean, he was all over the place. But, um, you know, I'm going to talk a lot about it today, you know, when we get to the favorite section of the, uh, the players. But uh, unbelievable work that him and the new caddy, Ted Scott, uh, did at Sawgrass. They really came together. Because when we saw, you know, when we saw Scotty win at, uh, at the Waste Management, you know, it was more of, um, you know, more of a scoring show. You know, it was definitely, you know, Scotty just played fantastic. And then, um, it, it was even better to see the two of the, that team, uh, kind of grind out a win, um, at Bay Hill and, um, especially around a course that, you know, a lot of, a lot of players had some complaints about led. Yeah. It really came down to, I feel like that 15th hole where he was stuck behind that tree, had to tried to hit the hook shot around it and like chunked it was able yeah. to, only advanced it like seven yards and then chopped it up on the green, like 25 feet and just buried it. Uh, and then Hovland. Missed his like seven footer per par. So that was kind of your two shot swing. Obviously, Woodland leaving it in the bunker there on 17 was uh, kind of a big moment for the outcome of that event. But yeah, yeah I was sweating Horschel too. I mean, if you look at my card, um, you know, I was going complete. You know, obviously, Horschel fade last week. Luckily, you know, Terrell Hatton um, also finished in a tied for second. So we pushed there. Um, and then Sungjae, you know, Sungjae was in pretty good position after the first two rounds, had a had a monumental lead on Hideki. You know, that was our matchup last week in uh, over Hideki at minus 102. Uh, and then I think Sungjae shot, you know, a couple over the final round, four or five over final round and uh, slipped all the way back to a tie with Hideki. So two pushes in the uh, head to head section last week. Yeah, and Scotty won at five under par. Only 10 players broke par for the week. It was nice to watch the pros struggle again, Will. We had a couple uh, couple whiners, a couple complainers at the end of the round. Uh, Rory has gone full-blown Goldilocks in the three bears with his course commentary in the sense that, I don't know if you've uh, uh, read that fable, but that's yeah. like where the, the bears are like, this is too soft, too hard, too, you know, the soup's too cold, too hot. Uh, Rory, a couple years ago, had a, little snippet at a European tour event where he's like, I'm not going to come over to this event anymore when 15 unders finishing T 34. And then obviously last week he said it was uh, a little too, a little too difficult for Rory. So um, yeah, they shaved, know. they shaved kind of the side slopes um, at, at Bay Hill and, and just kind of fill it up with rough, but yeah, you, we, you know, it's, it is, you know, Rory is one guy that I like to hear from every week. I like to hear his opinion. Uh, he's a great voice, the PGA tour, but, uh, I was listening to John Rahm this morning, kind of the, uh, the big bear on tour. And he said, he didn't mind it led. He said he, he wouldn't mind if there was uh, 15 tour events a year that, uh, that set up like that. 
Yeah. I mean, I think it was part of the fact that Rory faded harder than an old college sweatshirt on the weekend. Yeah. Uh, I think he would have finished, uh, you know, if he finished top three and was really in contention there rather than throwing up weekend 76s, that probably would have had a little different um, sound bite. Um, you know, didn't have any winners last week, but did have some nice plays. Will, you know, kind of go over what you had again. Yeah, so uh, as far as my matchups were concerned, you know, Hatton and Horschel pushed in a tie for second. Uh, and then, you know, I said Sungjae and Hideki also pushed um, after Sungjae kind of faltered in the final round. Uh, did have my Sungjae M top South Korean uh, ticket hit at minus 150, as well as my Scotty Scheffler top 10 plus 210 ticket. Um, and I also had Hovland top five at plus uh, 450 for one of my horses. Uh, so it was nice to see Scheffler and Hovland contend with tickets of top five and top 10 tickets wa- watching both of those sit obviously very nice last week. Um, kind of the negatives, Mark Leishman, not a, not a great uh, weekend. He didn't make the cut, but didn't have a great weekend. Our Leishman top 20 plus 130 ticket did not hit. Um, and man, a heartbreak over in Puerto Rico with Patrick Flapp and top 20 led. Uh, he, he was top 10 through the first two rounds. Uh, shoots a third round, I think 76 or 77, uh, didn't have a good Saturday. And then Sunday made a push at it and finished tied for 22nd. So mm. uh, it was just outside our top 20 plus 550 ticket. That was a heartbreaker. But, uh, you know, overall, uh, you know, not too many complaints from last week, Lud. Yeah, and I had Sam Burns top 10 plus 350. He finally got back on track last week with the golf swing. Um, he picked up four shots with the iron alone. With the irons alone, it was nice to, um, you know, coming off three missed cuts. It was a little bit scary backing a guy like that, but we were able to get him at a plus three fifty number when, as normally, when that guy's a ball and he's closer to a plus one ninety. Um, also had Hideki over a driverless Adam Scott, which I would have added more to if I knew the fact that the guy was <laughs> getting two wood off every yeah. hole. Um, that was pure. But- yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was, a, it was definitely a great week. Um, I'm trying to look at uh, some other stuff. One thing going forward is, you know, I did fade uh, Billy Horschel in a matchup just given the fact that he had been really struggling with the irons um, through 10 events, was outside the top 200 with the iron play. Now he's had back-to-back weeks of elite iron play, picking up, uh, you know, five strokes or more with, with the approach alone. So, um, we'll definitely have to look at him a little bit differently going forward in terms of those irons. Let's see if he can keep that going this week. But, you know, for the most part, pretty solid week. But let's get into the Players' Championship. I guess first off, let's just – we've been doing this for a couple weeks in a row now. Bryson DeChambeau is out. He is not in the field. Um, you know, these – these are starting to stack up here a little bit. Um, yeah, Rich Lerner, uh, actually, you know, I was waiting for someone to do so. Rich Lerner, Lerner had a really good segment on, on uh, live, live from the players last night. And um, my opinion is that, the, you know, the back issues, you know, it's going to be more long-term than everyone thinks. He thinks there's, you know, still some affiliation going on with the Saudi Golf League, uh, kind of pushing the narrative mm. there. So. I don't know, lad. It's one or the other, but uh, luckily we have, uh, you know, like I said, to open it. Even though Bryson is not playing this week, I hope you guys are ready to watch some golf this week. Every single shot struck this week will be televised. I saw a note that the tour sent to the players that pretty much said, be on your best behavior. Going to be a lot of hot mics this week. Uh, Careful, JT. Um, Speaking of JT, 
He's got a new uh, clothing company he just signed with. Is that right, Will? That's right. Uh, is it Grayson? Yes. Grayson yeah. Clothiers or however yeah. the hell you say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, being at the first week with a new sponsor, I'd assume he's going to be on his best behavior. I wonder if Bones is going to be, you know, put a swear jar in the bag this week just to be safe to <laughs> keep him uh, on the straight and narrow. Yeah, we'll see, lad. Uh, I'm looking forward to these players getting tested. I mean, their their behavior is definitely going to be tested with the uh, with the weather that's going to be rolling into Jacksonville this week. Uh, you know, guys like Rom, guys like Thomas, guys like uh, I don't know, P. Reed can get a little little feisty. I mean, the weather rolling in this week is going to be brutal. Um, there's no doubt. Thursday thunderstorms, Friday thunderstorms. Wind's going to stay down during that time, but hopefully, I mean, they can even get on the course. Friday is 93%. Um, and then Saturday and Sunday, the wind is picking up big time, 21 miles per hour, 14 miles per hour. So uh, course is tight as TPC Sawgrass led the ball striking better be dialed in. It'll be interesting to see kind of the, you know, the back and forth of obviously the high winds will dry the greens out, but then you're obviously getting the rainfall. So that's going to be softening the greens. So, it'll be interesting to see what those greens are looking like on Sunday. Um, we knew Bay Hill was going to be tough over the weekend because already on Friday, those things were starting to crust up. So in terms of looking at the, you know, the final score of that thing, um, it'll be interesting how that kind of plays into it. So this is the third leg of the Florida swing and it is a big one. It's the fifth major. At, uh, <laughs> it's, it's called the fifth major, right? Yeah, it is, it, it is the fifth major. It's the fifth it major. Um, especially for Brooks. Remember that for Brooks, this is the fifth major for Brooks. Don't sleep on it. Yes, that is true. What do the girls have? They have like five or six majors something. Yeah. Um, but anyways, TPC Sawgrass this week, obviously one of the most recognizable golf courses in the world because of the 17th Island green hole. The stadium course is a 7,256 yard par 72. And like a, you know, very few of the courses on tour, you cannot relax on a single shot out here. I don't care if it's a, you know, iron off the tee on one of these starting holes. If you, you know, slightly neck one and you're kind of, you know, this has got some almost Harbor town feels to it in the sense where what part of the fairway you're in, you know, gives you a very good opportunity or a very tough shot to attack the flag. Um, so we're going to be definitely looking at, you know, fairway percentages going into this week. With the golf course, you're going to have four reachable par fives. You better do some damage on holes like that this week because there are obviously some very tough par fours as well. Um, the course is – this is really the ultimate kind of crazy golf course. This one you wouldn't even think to design in like a video game. Um, you got water everywhere. You got tons of slope. Um, you constantly are having, you know, golf balls moving on the greens, you know, you, even for – Obviously, you guys know the 17th hole. Let's say that pins back right and you miss your number by seven or eight yards. That can be the difference, even if you're on the green, of having a 30-footer versus a 90-footer because that ball kind of comes all the way back to the front of that green. So it's not necessarily a green regulation type golf course. Um, you know, you could you could hit 12, 13 greens, but never kind of put one inside uh you know, 20, 25 feet to have realistic birdie chances. So we're definitely going to be looking at, you know, strokes gain approach and who's hitting those close to the hole. Now, Led, this is a place that over the years that I've watched, uh, you know, this place can really firm up when the weather in Florida is to standard. When it's 80 degrees, uh, not much rain, uh, the place can firm up, can really get rolling. 
you know, this week we could be seeing something completely different, maybe a softer TBC sawgrass. Uh, you know, do, do you have any influence with that in your best today? You know, ever since the, so they used to actually, I wouldn't say fluky winners, but they had like all types of people win here. Right. You think of like past champions of like KJ Choi, like Fred Funk, yeah. like, you know, all these kind of, wouldn't say randoms, but I feel like it catered to kind of everyone since they moved the tournament to March, they've had Rory JT kind of, yeah. you know, kind of winners, more of the, uh, the bigger time winners in that, in that sense. So, you know, I think the one thing to look at is just when you're looking at course history, right? Well, normally when we go through course history, you'll be like, okay, this guy's had, you know, five top twenties and his six starts here. Like you'll have guys who have, two top fives and three missed cuts. Like it's very, the, their past results are very, you know, are all over the place. So in terms of what to expect this week, we're going to, I think, you know, it's tough. You got to go from both angles. I think obviously you want to look at some of the favorites because some of these guys like cannot miss a shot when you think of the Roms and the Cantleys and the Morikawas, but also, you know, wouldn't be surprised if there's someone, you know, in the hundred to one or 125 to one range that kind of go to that. So, um, Kind of like Bay Hill, if you're hitting it well, you have a you have a chance. If you're not, you're probably uh, going to have a pretty short week in terms of the difficulty of the golf course. Um, well, kind of just getting back to the golf course here, Bermuda greens this week, but they are top dress with this weird POA kind of hybrid grass. So I don't want to get too into the stroke scheme putting on Bermuda because it's not going to be quite like Bay Hill where you've got all this green on top of it. This is more of a an overseed. So you know we'll one of the course comps I've or at least green comps I've seen is uh strokes gained or sorry, is a uh, TPC Scottsdale. They had a kind of a, a very similar kind of top dressing there. So we'll look at guys who have played the, well there in the past. Also a Pete die course as well. Um, but going back to past results here, we have Justin Thomas, obviously is our defending champion. He's looking to become the first back-to-back winner in the tournament's history. He won at 14 under par like uh, last year. Uh, but, you know, well, what is technically the, the headquarters? What is the players championship? Like TPC Sawgrass. Like obviously we got, is it the home of the PGA? Of the PGA tour. tour of yes. the PGA tour. It's home not, PGA um, tour. you know, yeah, I, I can understand how maybe PGA of America gets wrapped up in that. That used to be uh, over in Port St. Lucie. Now it's moved to Frisco. That's where PGA of America is. But yeah, the PGA tour uh, wanted their own tournament that they're in control of that, you know, like we just saw, and you can catch the comments after the pod, uh, you know, where, where the commissioner could talk and they just had full control of everything. Yeah. The PGA tour incorporated, um, headquarters is at Ponte Vedra beach. Yes. And the one thing that's interesting about that is obviously they're in charge of course setup, right? Yeah. And they've got, I mean, let's just say they're fully stacked in terms of, uh, staff this week. So 12 out of the 14 winners have finished between 10 and 16 under par and route to winning. And that just goes to show me they get a really consistent course setup at least maybe not consistent in the sense of you know the same guys play well there every year but in terms of you know 12 out of the 14 of the last times they've had this event that winning score has been been between 10 and 16 under means they pretty much can get the course where they want it um most of the time um i saw some other cool things about like the golf course when pete when pete i originally designed it he uh you know, with a double T start in mind, he actually had the 10th hole 
and the first hole, he wanted them to be like very similar. So they're actually one yard apart in distance. And then the way the wind works, like if the wind's into on one, it's also into on 10, like in terms of the, uh, the shape of the holes and you know how all that works. Cause you wanted it to be like a very fair test for the players. So that was one of the things I thought was cool um, with the course design. Um, you know, for every bomber that plays well here, there's also a plotter that plays well here. Um, certainly going to be looking at uh, fairway percentage. You know, if you miss a fairway more often than not, you're going to be taking a drop. There's obviously tons of water lurking out over here. Um, but yeah, like we said, really any type of player can contend here. I mean, the only thing you can't have happening is a, a ton of wild shots. So definitely might be a, uh, a Matt Wolf fading week in terms of, uh, in terms of looking at that. Um, yeah. Like we talked about and things we'll look at strokes gained approach, fairway percentage. Um, and then, well, I don't want to put too much of an emphasis on putting this week, you know, especially with really tough conditions. You know, if you have a 15 footer with a 15 mile an hour wind coming off the right and torrential downpour, and and, and one more thing I forgot. I mean, the low on Saturday is 38. The high on Sunday is 53 with the low on Sunday being 47. So throwing a little bit of cold weather in there too, lead. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it's really going to be, oh man, I just, I didn't pop well. Wasn't the reason I won. You know, it's really going to be indicative of how you struck it, how you were able to control your ball in the wind. Um, other things, you know, course history, the course is really tricky. I don't want to overreact to guys that might have come in and, you know, maybe played here three times and have two missed cuts. This is definitely a course. The more you play it, whether you're even playing it well or, you know, not playing it well, just I'm more interested in just getting reps rather than the quality reps, especially on a demanding golf course like this. Pete Dye is, uh, you know, can definitely put your brain in a pretzel, especially if it's one yeah. of the first couple of times you played it. Um, but for sure want to be looking at guys who are playing well coming this week. It's a, you know, it's a, obviously a golf course that tests every part of the game. Um, but we'll let's just look at these like past champions again, though. It's, it is quite the melting pot. So past winners, we got Rory Webb Simpson, Jason day, Matt Kuchar, tiger, Tim Clark, Phil, KJ Choi, Sergio, Fred Funk. Like I try, I list those kind of back and forth of like bombers versus like guys that hit it like two seven. Yeah, yeah. Games. Martin so, Keimer just hitting kind of yeah. Big, yeah. Yeah. 2014 Keimer was uh the year that Spieth was like right there. Um, and then Keimer drained that bomb on 17 um to to tie it up after the rain delay and then end up beating Furyk by one but yeah definitely a definitely a good mix of the two uh when you look at the past winners here and well like we talked about we think it's going to be a pretty tough uh week to bet um just because of the randomness randomness that kind of comes along with it then when you're tossing in that weather you know your ball hanging up on a bank could be the difference between you having a seven footer for birdie and you hitting your uh you know having a seven footer for uh, a triple, you know what I mean? Like the way that, you know, you think of the, obviously the 17th hole, you get a firm bounce kicks over the back. You've got that same shot again. So the fact that um, it's going to come down to, you know, very minor things, we're obviously going to be looking at which numbers jump out to us. And uh, well, what are we going to kind of be going over today? Yeah. So we're going to start with uh, our favorites here and then we're going to move into the matchups. Uh, we're going to work into uh, our picks to place. I uh, got got quite a few of those between the two of us today and then uh, move into our dark horses, set our lineups, make our picks to win. 
Obviously, we'll throw out into Jin better the week after my heart was broken with uh, Patrick Flavin last week. Uh, and then we'll finish it off with scoring predictions and best bet of the week, led. So uh, let me get started here with more Kawa at 11 to 1. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I'm seeing this at 16 to 1 in some places, uh, Colin Morikawa, uh, but still yet to find a 20 to 1 ticket. I'm not going to steer you away from most options to bet on Morikawa this week. I know there's going to be many that question Morikawa's putting in short game, like Led just said. Um, I'm not taking that into consideration uh, too much this week. I, I listened to uh, Morikawa's spot on uh, NLU, and this guy, um, you know, has dialed back the amount of tournaments that he's put on the schedule in order ready to get ready for these big events in 2022. Um, and don't get it confused. I mean, Morikawa is not playing less events because, um, you know, he, he's now up to world number two. He's playing less events to do his body a favor, get more rest and come to these events uh, with more mental clarity and a fresher body. And in specific, he said, you know, he, he's been planning for the players this year. Uh, so only played three events, 2022 leading up to this week. But let me tell you, besides Victor Hovland, Scotty Scheffler, there's no one in the world playing better than Colin Morikawa. And thus far in 2022, you could throw maybe Patrick Cantley in there as well, but thus far in 2022, no one can tell me that Morikawa's putting hasn't been solid and better than how it was when 2021 and fourth in strokes gain putting on the PGA tour right now. And I understand that, you know, his proximity to the hole is all time. Uh, but, you know, and, and the putting numbers can, can look better than they are, but uh, you know, his, his caddy JJ Jakovac uh, told golf digest um, something very interesting a couple of weeks ago. You know, he said, everyone likes to say that Morikawa's putting is a weakness and that he needs to improve on that part of his game, but all he has done under pressure is make putts that matter. Um, and, and you don't do that unless you have some extra level of focus when you need it. Uh, so I thought that was a great quote from his caddy. Uh, definitely something to pay attention to this week. You know, I, I would not dig too far into Morikawa's putting. I mean, um, he also talked about, you know, when you look at Morikawa's last start at the Genesis, you know, he missed that putt on the 72nd hole to send it to a playoff. And, um, you know, he, he said he's used that as fuel of fire when prepping for the players. So, you know, we could sit here and talk about Morikawa's first and only players appearance last year that resulted in 41st finish and a pretty poor week on the greens, but I can't, I cannot lay off a ball striker like Morikawa um, around TPC Sawgrass this week, fourth off the tee and eighth in approach on the PGA tour. Uh, so top 10 and driving approach and putting, I don't mind the Morikawa top 10 ticket at plus 180. Um, I am going to have a matchup on Morikawa. Um, I'm personally not going to have a Morikawa winning ticket this week, but, uh, you know, who's to say he can't win this sled? I mean, I, I get he's the number one favorite, but you, it's, it's tough to find a flaw with him for sure. Yeah, would not be shocking at all if he was able to get it done this week. Well, you know, um, in the field, second approach, shot 66 in the final round last year. You know, may kind of figured the course out maybe on the, the final yeah. round there. Yeah. Um, hitting, I, uh, I, I think that point that you made to, to start things off really applies to Morikawa, that the putting stats just have to be thrown in the trash this week. Well, it's all relative too, right? It's like when you think of guys like uh, Patrick Reed, for example, right? Yeah. He's really struggling with the ball striking and has never been like an elite ball striker through his career. 
like he has to be a good putter to be on tour, right? Yeah. And Colm Morikawa, the reason he's on tour is not his putting. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, um, if you're hitting it on the edge of the fringe and chipping it to three feet and, you know, one putting every hole, that helps kind of the putting stats, yeah. right? Um, so, yeah, well, this week, Morikawa is one of those guys who could lose three strokes on the greens and, and still top 10. So I don't, you know, I don't hate that number at all, uh, plus 180 top 10. But, um, you know, moving into our next guy, uh, Justin Thomas, 13 to 1. He is 20th off the tee, 10th approach, and 49th in putting in his last 50 relative to the field. Um, the defending champion has not finished outside the top 30 in an event since the U.S. Open last year. Just incredible consistency. Six top 10s in that 10-event stretch. His last two starts are top 10s at the Genesis and Phoenix, um, where he picked up over 19 shots tee to green uh, in that stretch. You know, one of the best ball strikers on the planet, completely dealing with the driver and irons right now. Uh, it's always the putter with JT. You know, we mentioned it's a lot, a little bit of a broken record in that sense. He hasn't picked up strokes putting in back-to-back events since last May. Wow. For someone who is on the PJ tour, gets perfect greens every week. You know, it's not exactly uh, putting on uh, the moon out there, right? Right. (laughs) In terms of, it's just really hard to believe that he hasn't been able to uh, pick up strokes on the green in back-to-back events. Um, As we know, we kind of like to fool around with putters and stuff like that. You just think at some point you would have had a two-week stretch, but nope. So I think that just kind of goes to show what kind of putter he's really been. Um, you know, at this event, he has made the cut in all five of the starts, obviously highlighted by the win. Um, he also has an 11th and a third place finish, uh, which was in 26, 2016. Um, one thing I love is the fact that this course obviously suits his eye tee to green. He's picked up strokes tee to green in four of his five starts at the players. Um a cold putter could certainly stop him from winning. So I don't love the 13 to one feels a little short, but, and that's really based on the fact that his putter has been more of a coin flip uh, these, uh, these last uh, couple months, but I definitely like his odds potentially in a matchup or potentially a top 10 play just based on the way he's playing uh, from T to green. Yeah. I don't have, uh, I don't have much on why well, I, I don't have any plays on JT so far. I mean, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of his matchup in DraftKings, which is against Rom at plus 100. I'm about to get into him. Um, you know, he has been knocking on the door the whole season, which is already 40% complete. And he's only finished outside the top 10 twice in six starts. Um, you know, I, I just don't, I don't see many positions for me to play him this week. I can't say that I don't like JT, but um, not getting any of the matchups that I'd potentially hope for when betting on him at the players. Yeah, and I don't think it's a coincidence that no one's gone back to back here, and that's just more yeah. based on the that's just more based on the way this golf course is. Like, it's a bit of a seesaw. If you have a great year, where you know maybe you hit three or four shots throughout the week that could have ended up in the hazard and hung on the edge, that's kind of maybe the reason you win. And then the next year, that's you know maybe they they drip into the hazard. That's the no. reason you miss the cut. So you know it is especially this week. Well, we could have guys who are making the cut you know, a couple shots inside the number. And if the weather is tough and, you know, six, seven unders leading through two rounds, pretty much everybody's in the hunt uh, coming in. That's what happened last week at Bay Hill. You have guys, you know, it's tough for a guy who misses a cut at four over, right? Yeah. If he makes a cut at three over and has a, uh, you know, 71-70 weekend, it's all of a sudden a top 10, you know? So 
really fine line in terms of a good week versus a bad week. So, you know, that's one of the reasons, obviously, we don't want to be overreacting to some of these missed cuts and freaking out about course history here. No doubt. And on to uh, John Rahm at 13 to 1. And I just listened to uh, John Rahm's press conference. I absolutely love what he said about Bay Hill last week. He loved the golf course, led. He loved the design. He loved the challenge. And that's the mental energy that I need from John Rahm rolling into this week. He said if it was up to him, like I said, if it was up to him, he would bring more of that challenge into the PGA Tour. I enjoyed it. I mean, I saw I saw a lot of, uh, you know, just average sports fans on Twitter like, saying that, you know, the Sunday at Arnold Palmer, you know, that was, you know, killing the players was a lot more enjoyable to watch on TV than uh, some of the final rounds on the West Coast Swing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I thought that was a really, you know, great point from Rom, especially someone who, you know, can, it's kind of a coin flip with his reaction to certain things. And some of these talking heads are just like, you know, people want to see birdies. People want to see birdies. It's like, not really. Yeah, most not really. These, most of these fans that go out and play are 10, 15, 20 handicaps and they, know what it's like to leave a bunker shot in the bunker. Or They, they want to see the players getting torn up like they do. Yeah, like Woodland's bunker shot last week. Like exactly. Fans want to see that. Yeah, and it's like, I've done that. I could yeah. play on the PGA Tour. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's spot on, buddy. That's spot on. And, uh, you know, back to Rom. Listen, they're, you know. There's not a player in this field that's more hungry for a player's championship than John Rom. I mean, if you look at where Rom has been positioned at this event, um, after the third round, the last two years, he's had tremendous opportunities to win, um, you know, two players' championships. More specifically, in 2019, he had a one-shot lead heading into the final round and absolutely threw up on himself, shooting three over in the final round and. Um, you know, th- there's just absolutely nothing to worry about when it comes to the ball striking this week for John Rahm. He's been top tier this season. As far as the ball striking is concerned, it's really the putting that has held him back from winning over the last three weeks. I'm sure you all saw that 11 inch whiff uh, or whatever you want to call it from Rahm last week at the AP. And uh, it's funny if you look at how Rahm was putting going into this event last year, it's almost identical. He had lost shots in each of the three events leading up to the players last year, according to Fantasy National. So all in all, not too worried about putting this week from Rom. He will contend. I love John Rom. Top five at plus 260 on DraftKings, I believe it is right now. We'll get into that in the picks to place. Um, and if you're gonna if you're gonna take a side in the Rom versus Thomas matchup on DraftKings, if you decide that, you know, you have to go bite the bullet there, I think you have to take John Rom at minus 120, 90% of the time. Um as far as Rom's winning ticket, I don't have one this week, but uh, like I said, certainly love that top five ticket at plus 260. Yeah, you know, had a T12 here in 2019, top 10 last year. One of the few guys who's, you know, coming in with pretty consistent course history at this event, leading strokes gained off the tee. Uh, Rom's a tough guy to pass on. The thing that scares me a little bit is just that pretty short number of 13 to one on a yeah. course that can be so, uh, you know, high variance. So we have Victor Hovland, 17 to 1. I've seen him 20 to 1 in some areas. Uh, he's actually ninth off the tee, fifth approach relative to the field coming in. When you look at how he's been playing recently, he has a win in Dubai, two top fours, and a runner-up last week at Bay Hill. Bay Hill last week was completely powered by his, uh, his uh, tee to green play, picking up 10 shots. You know, well, going back to last week, I think he wins. 
Uh, if that, you know, if Bay Hill wasn't as diabolical as it played on the weekend, he had a five shot lead at one point on Saturday, kind of coughed it up a little bit um, on Saturday leading into Sunday, but it just seemed like that course was playing so tough for a guy who was just, you know, balling with the, with the long game. I'm surprised he wasn't able to hold on to that, but when you really look at him and what he struggles with, I believe he was three for 12 out of the bunkers. And as we know, he's uh, one of the worst chippers out there. So it wasn't surprising on a really difficult golf course that he wasn't able to win really with the ball striking alone. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and, and had a chance on the 72nd hole to, uh, you know, to tie it up and, and leaves a, a birdie putt well short. Um, yeah. Just, just, in, just, you know, had chances all week, like you said, you know, Five shot lead on Saturday had a chance. As far as Victor Hovland this week led, I see the matchup against Justin Thomas at plus one twelve on Fanduel, which I don't love. Then I see his matchup over uh, Hideki at minus one ten on DraftKings. Could be interesting, but um, overall, I'm not too much on my slate this week as far as Victor Hovland's concerned. Yeah, and you know when I when I compare Hovland to a Rom, you know Rom sitting at thirteen to one, uh, you know. The fact that you can get, you know, Hovland at 17-1, even a little better odds. Hovland at least has been winning. He has, you know, two wins in his last four months. Uh, obviously won at Mayakoba early in the year, one uh, on the DP World Tour. I think the one thing people are overreacting to a little bit is the fact that he had a miscut at the players last year. You know, if he finished top 20, maybe his odds are in that same range as Rom. So I think we can take advantage of that. Uh, you know, between the two, like I said, you know, give me Hovland, especially with that little odds difference. But uh, the way Hovland's hitting the, you know, hitting the long irons, hitting the driver, you know, even putting decently, you know, could definitely hunt for him in some in some matchups. And I'm not worried at all about that miscut. So uh, you know, Hovland to Hovland at seventeen to one. I don't think I'm going to have a play on it. But when you compare him to a guy like Rom, uh, you know, I I do like that. Okay, so on to Roy McIlroy at, uh, at, at 19 to 1. You know, Rory in contention through two rounds last week at the Arnold Palmer. He shoots 76 76 on the weekend, snapped the wedge on Sunday, and gave the media an earful uh, regarding his opinion on course conditions at Bay, at Bay Hill. Obviously, like we said in the intro, Rory was very frustrated. Uh, that Bay Hill replaced the green runoffs with rough, but, um, you know. I saw a lot of tweets from Timmy on Twitter that uh, the final round was very enjoyable and uh, the fans loved it, as we've noted a couple of times through this pod. Now, as far as this week is concerned for Rory McIlroy, the weather is supposed to be brutal in Jacksonville. The wind will gust, the temps will drop, the rain will pour. Uh, can you trust Rory when the conditions aren't perfect, Lud? Can you trust Rory? Yeah, the way Rory, how high Rory hits it, that guy tries to hit it over the wind, it seems like. Uh, he is definitely, I feel like everything with Rory is like always extremes. You know what I mean? Yeah. He'll win a US Open by whatever, seven shots. And then he'll miss the cut last year at the players by 10 shots. It seems like everything he does with flair, um, you know, going back to last year how, when he missed the cut by 10 shots, he did play the four previous weeks heading into that so maybe that was a little bit of just run out of gas let's just let's get out while we can kind of situation but honestly well for a player of his caliber he's been playing so well it's got to be a little rattling for him going 76 76 on the weekend and feeling like he played well yes it seems like he's been able to deflect that 
and just blame it on uh, Bay Hill. But also, it's not fun to sign for back-to-back 76s going into an event, which probably is going to play, you know, maybe not tougher in terms of the winning score, but if not even more demanding than Bay Hill. And then obviously we have this crazy weather coming in. So this guy ready to, uh, this is going to be a four round grinder as well. And he's coming off, uh, you know, back to back 76s. I don't exactly love where the head's at coming in. No. And, and you're spot on with that. Uh, Rory's had a flair, you know, with every win ever in his career, he's never won a tournament with the score of, uh, of greater than 10, no, I'm sorry, less than 10 under. Um, Interesting. Which, you know, and my prediction for this week, I mean, I'll spoil it right now. My prediction this week is going to be around the eight under mark. The conditions worry me led for Rory this week. Uh, Rory's matchup on FanDuel is Scheffler at minus 108. I'm out on that. Uh, Rory's matchup on DraftKings for the week is Cantlay at minus 105. Definitely out on that. Not crazy about Rory's uh, top 20 number at minus 115. So um, I'm totally out on Rory this week, Led. Yeah, and this is always a week where you look at the favorites. Let's say you look at the top, the top 10 favorites of the last couple of years, and just like two studs will just like miss the cut like by a country mile. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it definitely has a tendency to do that. In terms of Rory, obviously playing, you know, obviously besides the weekend, playing really well coming in. But, um, yeah, if the weather blows, Rory is definitely one of the guys you fade more often than not um, in that sense. But, you know, moving into our next guy, Patrick Cantlay at 24 to 1. He is ninth off the tee, fifth approach, 12th in putting uh, relative to the field in his last 50. I absolutely love this. Uh, love this right here. This is my this is my pick for this week. Uh, he's picked up strokes tee to green in 14 times in his last 15 starts. I mean, consistency. Last seven starts. Won the BMW. Won the Tour Championship. Fourth at the Century. Ninth at the Amex. Fourth at Pebble. Second at the Phoenix Open. Um, 24 to 1. Why is that number so high, Will? I mean, obviously, it's got to be based on his course history. He has missed back-to-back cuts uh, at this event. Yeah, the um, you know, it's interesting. You look at the ball striking. Uh, you know, here over the Amex, over Pebble Beach, his last start of Genesis um, has slowed him down a bit, even though in only two of those, you know, and two out of the three of those, he finished in the top 10. So the but, one thing I will yeah. say is he has been struggling relative to Patrick Cantlay. He has been struggling yeah. with, with the irons a little bit, but that just makes it that much more impressive that he's still been able to pick up strokes tee to green, right? Which means totally. obviously... He's seventh off. He's seventh off the tee right now on the PJ Tour. This is a course that, I mean, if you're not setting up yourself off the tee, you've really got no chance to contend. You cannot be coming out of the rough into these greens. You cannot be coming out of the trees into these greens at all. Right. So I look for him at some point to get those irons back on track. He is a you know perennial. You know, he's one of those guys who, by the end of the PJ Tour year, more often not is top twenty in. Strokes gains off the tee, strokes gained approach, strokes gained putting. He's really one of those well-rounded players, you know, maybe like another guy who would be in that conversation, maybe would be a, you know, Xander Shoffley or Abraham Anser. So I do like Patrick Cantley, despite his, uh, you know, recent course history here. Uh, and you don't have to worry about a guy like Cantley in this kind of weather. He, you know, he, he, a lot like Brooks has a long track record of, you know, playing a lot of golf in Europe, 
uh, went over there for a couple of years after college. So as far as the weather is concerned, absolutely nothing you have to worry about with Patrick Hanley this week. And really out of everyone on the PGA tour, I'm not sure there's a better head um, on the shoulders than Patrick Hanley for sure. Yeah. And in terms of one of those guys, like you said, well, I remember this like quote from, I forgot who it was. It might've been Gary player. Um, not, Ledge. it wasn't about sit-ups or anything, Ledge. but uh, it was, uh, it was just talking about when you have these like really difficult, like weather conditions. I think it was Gary player who was like, I love these conditions because I like embrace them. You know what I mean? Like everyone yeah. else just wants to kind of get the hell out of here. Whereas if I can kind of, and it seems like the way Cantlay is with, I mean, that guy is a, you know, stone cold killer kind of yeah. guy. I think yeah. He, you know, he isn't worried about uh, a little bit of wind, a little bit of rain. Um, in terms of just looking at his stats, well, we use Fantasy National. Uh, as you know, if you're picking up strokes, it's green. If you're losing strokes, it's red. Uh, it doesn't matter what category it is, whether it's around the green, whether it's off the tee, whether it's putting irons. It doesn't matter if it's in his last five, last 50, last 100, last 500 rounds. Every single thing ever with Cantlay is green. Yeah. It's it's absurd. Um, so so I just I think I think uh you know Cantley is honestly one of my you know, he's my main pick this week at 24 to 1. The fact that you know you look at a guy like Rory, he's 19 to 1. I think Cantley has been more consistent, oh, you know, over the years through the bag. I'm not worried about one thing with Cantley. So um I don't care if uh I don't care if you know he's missed cuts here in his last five starts. I don't care where they're playing this tournament. Cantley's been so consistent over the years at 24 to one. I think we've waited long enough on that number and we can kind of take advantage on the fact that, uh, you know, we can take advantage of the fact that that number is higher than what it should be just based on a little bit of uh, struggles at, at Sawgrass. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I definitely like the, uh, I like the winning number. I like the top 10 number at plus 250. Anyway, you like it, uh, you know, right there with you led, you just you can't go wrong with Canley this week. That's the bottom line. Okay, and on to Scotty Scheffler at 24 to 1. And last week I told you that it was possible that we are starting to see Scotty Scheffler put together the type of year that Jordan Spieth had back in 2015. And what does he do? He goes out and wins his second event in his last three starts. That win required grind. That win required guts. Scotty Scheffler did not even hit his driver well all week, but his mindset along with the work that him and Ted Scott are accomplishing together is definitely proving to be the difference maker. Uh, as far as what to make of Scotty Scheffler at the players, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm, I'm going to take Colin Morikawa over Scheffler on DraftKings. Um, you know, if, if you opt out of taking that, I certainly don't mind the Scheffler number top 20 plus money led. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I, you know, I know that. Do I think he wins three tournaments and four starts? Highly unlikely. I don't like the top five number. I don't like the top 10 number. Um, but I, I certainly see someone like Scheffler who is going to look at the players fifth major, you know, he, he performs extremely well in big time events. If you look at the majors last year, you look at the WGCs, uh, you know, he only finished outside of 10th once and that was at the masters. He finished T 18. So this is a guy who brings it to the big events. Uh, but like I said, I'm going to be taking Morikawa over Scheffler. So I'm, I'm going to be out otherwise on Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, well, I am all over um, that Morikawa over Scheffler head to head. 
Um, you know, you think you go back to Sunday, Sheffler hitting five fairways, that is not going to cut it out at Sawgrass, right? Especially when you compare it to a guy like Morikawa who hits over 70% of the fairways, it's just uh, going to be night and day in terms of the advantage Morikawa has. 24 to one, like you said, three times in four starts. Uh, that's like next level type stuff wow. that does not happen very often on the PGA Tour. I would assume he'd be pretty much borderline number one player in the world if he did that, right, Will? Um, I know Ron has kind of a bit of a stranglehold on that. Um, but, yeah, I don't really – Scheffler's not a guy who's going to – I'm sure he didn't black out Sunday night in terms of uh, getting too excited about, uh, you know, that win. Obviously, happy with it. But, uh, you know, quick turnaround this week. When you when you look at a guy like Morikawa is coming off, he hasn't played since Genesis, going to have a little more rest than him coming in. Um, but moving into our next guy – Xander Shoffley, 28 to one. He's 26 off the tee, 11th approach. Xander is coming off a 13th at the Genesis, a third at the Phoenix Open. Um, also has seven top 40s in a row coming to this week. Really been consistent, just has not been uh, holding up those trophies very often. Um, he's another guy like Cantley who picks up shots in every category. Very, very strong throughout the bag. Um, he's picking up almost five shots to green in each of his last five starts shockingly or not shockingly well he has not won a full field event since 2018 all right i know he won the uh tournament champions and won the olympics little olympic gold medalist over there but part of the reason behind that is he kind of has struggled down the stretch in some of these bigger tournaments but even when you go back to waste management i mean he's leaving 10 footers on 17 18 like short to win golf tournaments. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, do we really trust X-Man coming down the stretch, especially at this golf course, when you think of 16, 17, 18? If I have a Xander ticket and he's got he has tied for lead going to 17, I am uh, I'm not too comfortable uh, relative to a lot of the other guys potentially in this uh, in this top 10. Uh, well, how do you kind of feel about, about that? down the stretch no i'm i'm right there with you you know as far as the matchup is concerned for xander i am not going to be playing uh xander over cantley on FanDuel. nor am i going to be playing uh xander over adam scott who is on an incredible stretch um as far as adam scott's golf is concerned but i'm not going to be playing xander over adam scott on DraftKings either did finish second here in uh, 2018 xander did but uh two missed cuts at the players since i'm out on xander this week led um, you know, back-to-back missed cuts at the players. Obviously, we talked about we're not going to read too much into that, but obviously we'd rather have back-to-back top tens. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, all day, all day. Um, you know, just looking at that number, 28 to 1, I'd almost love just a Xander MC here, and then maybe in the next event you're getting him maybe in that 30 to 1, 33 to 1 kind of range, I think. Um not quite ready to pounce on Xander at, in the 20s, especially in this strong of a field. Yeah, and on to uh, Hideki Matsuyama at 31-1. to one. Um, I'm, I'm definitely out on Hideki to win this week because over the years, um, his ball striking has carried him to top finishes here. I know that we're not overly focused on putting this week, but um, you know, I don't have any specific stats regarding Hideki putting in 21-mile-per-hour wins or – 47 degree weather. He, but he does have a wide stance. We do I like the wide stance. I the can't imagine. I cannot imagine it's uh, anything worth bragging about. Yeah, wide stance. You know, maybe. I think it's too wide, lad. I think well, this- well, here's my thing. You know, 
we're going to disagree a little here. I think for the guys who can't putt, I'm loving 20 mile an hour wins because it just makes it that it's like almost like evens it out a bit, evens it out a bit. You have a guy like, uh, I don't know, who's a good putter in our top 10. It seems like everybody's just ball strikers. I don't know, <laughs> but, you know I, but I, but I see his matchups against Berger. I see his matchups against Hovland. Um, two guys I'm not interested in betting against this week. Um, especially over player and Hideki, who, you know, one of the few guys who has course history, okay, two top 10s, five top 25s, shot the infamous COVID 63 before, um, the, uh, <laughs> before the event was canceled. Talk about a rough, I mean, that's like all time brutal. Uh, what, it, I mean, what is that? If you bet on him to win, obviously a bad beat, but he shot 63 course record first round canceled. Um, if that's anybody else, do they keep the event? No, I'm, go- no, I'm kidding. They have. <laughs> yeah. um, you can blame that one on Rudy Gobert for the uh, the old press conference that kind of fired up the whole, uh, obviously canceling of everything. But um, yeah, Hideki. Well, I don't mind thirty-one to one. I'm not going to have a ticket on this on him this week. But you know, if you potentially like him in a top ten number, just given the fact that he already has you know two of those five top twenty fives. But um, yeah, in terms of winning. Eh, can't bet on everyone and uh, I like other guys more yeah absolutely absolutely um I, I'm I'm gonna be out on a decade 31 to one regardless uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the chance and and um assume that the weather is gonna give him too much trouble I mean unbelievable ball striker but um you know hasn't finished you know has only finished better than 20th once in his uh in his last four events so I'm gonna be out on a this week okay and then into our next guy so I like Cantley this week. Another guy I like is Dustin Johnson, thirty-four to one. DJ, sneaky, second in putting in his last fifty rounds relative to the field. Granted, has played like two events this year, so most of that is coming from last year. But putting well as of late, um, he's picked up strokes putting in ten of his last twelve starts. I was really high on DJ. Um, you know even before I kind of looked at the stats just because of that number kind of 34 to one, it kind of jumped out to me, jumped out to me when you normally see him kind of in that conversation of the ROMs and the Hoblins and the, uh, you know, the, and the higher ups. Um, one cause for concern is he's lost strokes off the tee in four of his last seven starts. So DJ is not exactly, you know, hitting the driver like he normally does. But when you look at those, you know, some of those seven starts were back in November. So I'm not really too concerned about it. I think part of the reasoning why that number is so high is just he's a bit of an unknown coming this week. Only played two PJ Tour events this year. You know, he did have a top 30 at the at the Farmers. Uh, but, uh, you know, in a week that offers a lot of random, randomness, I'm not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not too upset about taking a guy who is a bit of an unknown. You know, if, let's say, if uh, Dustin Johnson played Bay Hill last week and finished T12 and picked up seven strokes off the tee, right? Maybe he's in that 20 to one, 22 to one kind of area. The fact that he's coming in with, uh, it's not even bad form. It's just like not much form, right? He hasn't played. Uh, So I think 34 to one is worth a stab on a guy who's seven for seven in cuts made here. Um, Finished fifth year in 2019, has three other top 30s in this event. So I do like uh, Dustin Johnson at 34 to one. I think he's worth betting to win, uh, to win. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great work. Led, um, you know, I, I think looking down the matchups, you know, DJ over Louis Oosthuizen at minus 110 has to be one of my favorites of the week, possibly my best bet for sure. Um, you know, you, you look at what what Dustin um, has been able to do as far as the ball striking is concerned off the tee um, over 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 more the grand scheme of 10, 20 events, like you were saying, Led and it makes you not, you know, pay attention to too much that went on in the in the fall. Obviously, he had a ton going on, playing the wedding with Paulina, um, getting her, you know, on the PJ off to the bachelorette party. Uh, a lot going on for DJ, but uh, no, I'm right there with you. Love DJ this week. DJ over Louis Ustase in a minus one ten, likely one of my two best bets. We'll get to that near towards the end and, of the show. Yeah, and in terms of like horses for courses, I mean. Dustin is kind of that guy, right? Obviously extremely long off the tee, normally very accurate with the driver. And just the fact that when it's all said and done, you would assume based on Dustin's game that he would be a player's champion. I mean, I just think the fact that we can give him that 34 to one when, you know, when he's, when he's obviously completely on his game, has a ton of form coming in, a ton of form coming in, the guy might be 18 to one. I think we just have to jump on it when we can. No doubt. Uh, three top 20 finishes in his last four starts. The players obviously closing in on a player championship. So, uh, like I said, that matchup over Eustazen and DraftKings at minus 110. And obviously that winning ticket at 34 to 1 looks very good. On to uh, our matchups this week for the players. I'll get us started here. Led. I'm going to start with Matthew Fitzpatrick over Billy Horschel at minus 112 on FanDuel. And you know, like I said last week, I took Hatton over Horschel. That ended up being a wash and uh, as the two tied for second place. But here's the bottom line. Matthew Fitzpatrick continues to knock on the door of winning his first PGA Tour event. And he is an absolute specialist when it comes to hitting the ball straight in terrible conditions, which is what we need this week. I do not trust Horschel's iron play one bit in turbulent weather and around a course as tough as TPC Sawgrass especially after the amount of work that he had to put in last week around Bay Hill. I, I expect total regression uh, from Billy Ho this week. Uh, Fitzpatrick, other matchup is Sergio Garcia at minus 120 over on FanDuel. I'm not totally opposed to that either, but tread with caution there. As Sergio um, has a great track record at the players and can also be an absolute wizard when it comes to scoring the ball in tough conditions. So, my first matchup is going to be Matthew Fitzpatrick over Billy Horschel, minus 112 on FanDuel. Uh, my second one uh, for the week is going to be Brooks Kepka over Russell Henley, minus 115 on DraftKings Sportsbook. And, you know, I do understand that maybe Russell Henley is looked at as a good play this week because he's performed well in terrible conditions at uh, other events before, but he's also missed the cut. Uh, four of the last five events he's teed up the players. So um, I'm having trouble understanding how this matchup is even on the board. Uh, this wasn't my original thought, but Kyle Porter of CBS pointed out that on the schedule, Vegas must be forgetting that this is a fifth major championship because Brooks tends to show up for these things. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that led? Yeah, well, and I'm all over this one as well. Um, just, you know, a lot of it's off the tee. Henley's, Definitely not, you know, one of the things you look at in terms of Henley's kind of Achilles heel is his uh, ability to hit fairways off the tee. And he's not exactly long either. So Kepka's already has a huge advantage with that. When you mix in uh, 
you know, Henley obviously has been playing maybe a little better as of late over the last, over the last couple of weeks. But uh, man, when you think of uh, TPC Sawgrass, tough conditions, I think that's just a, that's kept over Henley all day. And yeah, absolutely. And as far as bad weather is concerned for Brooks, I can't imagine there's anything to worry about there. This is a guy who started his career in Europe on the challenge tour playing in far worse conditions than you would ever see in the States. Um, you can throw the key away for this one. It's going to be Brooks Kepka over Russell Henley at minus 115 on DraftKings. Me and Letter both on that. So uh, moving on to my next matchup, I'm going to go with Taylor Gooch over Abe Answer at minus 120 on DraftKings. And look, I understand that Abe Answer has finished 22nd and 12th in two starts to the players, but you have to take a deeper look um, at how he was playing in years past, rolling into the last two players' championships. The WGC in Mexico was previously a few weeks before this event the last two years, and Abe was catching good vibes in his home country leading into this event. This year, not the case. Uh, he did not finish better than 39th in four events on the West Coast. And Tita Green, you know, the numbers just haven't looked great for Abe to start the year. And you look at the, on the winning side of this ticket in Taylor Gooch, and this is a guy whose game elevates – uh, when the conditions get tough, I, you know, I know he didn't perform great on the weekend at Bay Hill, but certainly someone who's going to stay in the mix when the weather uh, picks up at Sawgrass this week. Uh, you look at, you know, last year's result for Gooch and he finished seventh after closing with a final round 67. So my third, uh, my third matchup this week is going to be Taylor Gooch over Abe Answer at minus 120 on DraftKings. Then my final one, uh, for the week is going to be Colin Morikawa over Scotty Scheffler um, at minus 120 on DraftKings Sportsbook. So we'll go over these one more time. Um, obviously, my best bet for the week is going to be Dustin Johnson. Uh, well, matchup and best bet um, is going to be Dustin Johnson over Louis Ustase in minus 110 on DraftKings. And then it's going to be, be Matthew Fitzpatrick over Billy Horschel at minus 112 on FanDuel. Uh, then it's going to be Brooks Kepka over Russell Henley at minus 115 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, then it's going to be Taylor Gooch over Abe Answer at minus 120 on DraftKings Sportsbook and Colin Morikawa over Scotty Scheffler at minus 120 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Love those, Will. Absolutely love those. Um, you know, for me, Horschel is giving me nightmares. Uh, I, you know, I've faded in the last two weeks in head-to-heads, and he has uh, made me pay for it uh, in terms of – Keep it going, up. lad. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, pull me one shame on you. Ride with me, brother. Well, one of the guys you mentioned in your matchups, Matthew Fitzpatrick, I am on. I am on Matthew Fitzpatrick over Cameron Smith, minus 105. Matthew Fitzpatrick is six off the tee, while Cam Smith is 63rd off the tee in his last 50 rounds. When you look at this golf course, you're going to have to hit fairways. You know, obviously huge emphasis on the tee ball with it being such a demanding course. Um, Cam is hitting 56% of the fairways so far this season. This isn't Kapalua, okay? You actually have to hit it on the planet this week to be able to, uh, you know, have a, have a, uh, you know, a chance to, you know, obviously have a good second shot. Um, in terms of, you know, just what I'm thinking and kind of the thought behind this is like Fitzpatrick is, first of all, all time kind of ball striker, right? In terms of he's not exactly known for being long off the tee, but. He is definitely one of the guys who can, you know, most guys are trying to hit fairways. Matthew Fitzpatrick is trying to hit the left side of the fairway or yeah. the right side of the fairway. The course this week is exactly that kind of golf course. Um, Fitzpatrick is coming off three top tens in a row. 
they are not fluky either. He's picked up strokes tee to green in all of those. Um, whereas Cam Smith in his last start uh, at the Genesis lost four shots off the tee. Uh, so, you know, obviously we're looking at a little bit more than that, but in terms of, I just think Matthew Fitzpatrick has a huge head start off the tee and the fact that, you know, Cameron Smith potentially will be playing from the rough in the trees four or five times uh, a day throughout the rounds. And it might only be two days the way kind of he's been driving it. So for my first head to head, it's Matthew Fitzpatrick over Cam's, Cameron Smith minus 105 because of that distinct advantage with the driver. For my next head to head, it's Patrick Cantlay over Rory McElroy minus 120. Um, you know, I kind of mentioned this earlier, how I, how I like Cantlay more than Rory. Cantley has been more consistent through the bag, especially in the kind of the last year here. Um, Cantley, one of the few guys on tour that normally ends up, like I said, top 20 in off the tee approach and with the putter. Rory coming off the 76-76, whining about the tough golf course. Buddy, that's exactly what you have this week. You might as well withdraw if you don't want to play another one. Um, <laughs> but, well, we talked about the weather. Rory is one of the highest ball hitters on tour. I wouldn't say he doesn't like the win, but – I definitely think he'd prefer a dome. You know what I mean? Like uh, when you look at some of his major wins, it's normally when the weather's uh, died down and he's been able to go, you know, 12 plus kind of under par. Well, what you mentioned earlier, he hasn't won a golf tournament when the score has been single digits. Is that right? You correct. Single digits, single digits. So when you just look at what kind of weather going to get this week, I think that favors Cantlay. Um, you know, Rory coming in after missing the cut by 10 last year is not exactly the taste in your mouth. You want to be coming into this event, but well, when you talk about, uh, when you talk about this matchup, I just see these guys, I think Cantlay is significantly more consistent. Like if Cantlay played this event 10 times, I feel like he's going to make the cut. I don't know, seven or eight times out of 10, have a couple top tens in here. Rory maybe might win once, but will miss the cut five times. So that's just kind of how I feel. I think more often than not, Cantley is going to be finishing higher than, than Rory McIlroy. So for my second head to head, it's Patrick Cantley over Rory McIlroy minus 120. And will for my um, final head to head, we're going to go, uh, you mentioned earlier, Brooks Kepka over Russell Henley minus 115. And that's, you know, based on the fact that we're going to, you know, it's weather conditions, it's tough golf course, it's Kepka being significantly better off the tee. Um, I think uh, Kepka gets back on track this week, obviously had a little couple struggles here uh, in the past couple events, but I think he gets back on uh, track this week. Yeah. And into uh, my picks to place for the player championship, we'll start off here with Alex Noren, top Swedish at minus one Oh five on DraftKings Sportsbook and, um, Alex Noren is a great option this week as a player who really knows how to battle with tough conditions and performs very well on these Florida courses. Finished fifth at the Honda in his last start a few weeks ago and led you know the routine. Uh, Alex Noren, he doesn't have much competition this week as far as the rest of the Swedes are concerned. Let's move down the list here. We'll start with Henrik Stinson, who has missed seven straight cuts on the PGA Tour. Uh, didn't do much better in a few Events over on the DP World Tour with no finishes better than 39th. So we can rule him out. Then we move on to former Henry's, champion, correct, though? Former, man, champion. former champion, what, back in 2012? No one cares. So then we move to Henrik Norlander, who uh, has missed his last four cuts and hasn't finished better than 45th in a PGA Tour event since the Zozo Championship back in October. Uh, you know, Norn has to beat two Henriks this week. I don't see it being much of a problem, Led. 
you know, this is this could be my second best bet of the week. Uh, so the first one is going to be Alex Noren, top Swedish, minus 105 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, my second one is going to be Sung JM, top South Korean, minus 130 on DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm going right back to this ticket this this week, Glad. I mean, uh, the same ticket cash for us last week, the Arnold Palmer. And once again, I think Sung Jae continues to roll the South Korean leaderboard this week. Yes, Siwoo Kim, also another one of your uh, former players' championships, but his iron play has been um, not up to standard in the last uh, couple months in order to compete with the players this year. Same story goes for KH Lee, who is losing an average of almost two shots per tournament with his approach in his last five events, according to Fantasy National. Uh, so absolutely love this ticket for the second week in a row. That's Sung JM, top South Korean, minus 130 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, then we move on to Sebastian Munoz, uh, top 40 at plus 260 on DraftKings. Um, you know, and this is a diamond in the rough for me as far as taking someone who has really been on point with the iron play as of late. He has not finished worse than 39th in his four starts uh, with a couple top 25s. And the bottom line for Munoz is if he can putt halfway decent, um, I think he'll ball strike his way into the mix this week. Do I expect him to be in the last two final groups on Sunday? Probably not. Uh, but you can expect a player that hits it as solid as Munoz uh, to battle through the conditions, make the cut, and put himself in position uh, for a top 25 finish this week. So my second uh, uh, pick to place is going to be Sebastian Munoz, top 40 um, at plus 260 on DraftKings. Uh, number three here on the picks to place for the Players' Championship, John Rom, top five, uh, plus 260. And, you know, I, I noted this in the favorites, but uh, you can make the case that no one is hitting it better than John Rom on the PGA Tour right now. Um, you know, it's the putting that's held him back. Um, you can trust that he's going to get, you know, on top of that uh, with some of the time he has in between events. Um, like I said, John Rom hungry for a playoff championship. No one, no one is more hungry in the field this week than John Rom. It's the hungry factor that we're going with with him. Uh, it's John Rom top five plus two sixty on DraftKings Sportsbook. And yeah, well, he's a uh, he's going to be almost approaching a year without a win. Yeah, right, un- unbelievable. Yeah, and. Um, you know, but a new kid is on the way for Rom, so you you can certainly assume that um, he's going to be knock, knocking on the knocking on the door very shortly. Certainly, um, you know it's 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 all about perspective for Rom. You know, he he kind of had the story last year where he said he had this newfound mental game because you know he didn't want his son dropping f bombs. Well, eight months later, you know he's dropping f bombs and every other bomb you could think of. Um, you know, so he's certainly kind of going to get that mindset back. At some point with this new kid on the way, um, mm. you know, definitely wants to set a, a better example for his second kid than his first. Don't you think? Yeah. I saw a clip the other day of that, like Rom and his caddy conversation. I think it was like the 12th hole or something, the par five where they, uh, he like him and his caddy were arguing between laying up and going for it. And he decided to go for it and like hit it in the middle of the lake. And, uh, so he's definitely a much more mature player, obviously. Yeah, that now. was so that was, that was the 19 players where he had that uh he had that lead going into the final round. Dude, scary guy, John Rom, but like him this week. John Rom top five, uh plus two sixty on drafting sportsbook. And then my final pick to place this week is gonna be Corey Connors top twenty at plus two thirty. Came in seventh to players last year and has been striking the ball. Um 
well, struck the ball fantastic last week as he got off a stretch of bad golf, uh, finishing 11th at the Arnold Palmer. So running through my picks to place this week, it's going to be Alex Noren, top Swedish, minus 105 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Sung J.M., top South Korean, minus 130 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Sebastian Munoz, top 40, plus 260 on DraftKings Sportsbook. John Rahm, top five, plus 260 um, on FanDuel, actually. That's my apologies on FanDuel. Get Rahm's top five, take it to plus 260 on FanDuel. Um, and then Corey Connors, top 20, plus 230 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Love those, Will. I love those, and I love – I'm going to start out with the one I love the most – Corey Connors top 20 plus 230. Oh yeah, on. that's a that's a lead pick by the way. I'm sorry. That that's a that's a fault in planning. This Corey Connors top 20 plus 230. That's lead's ticket. Um I'm backing it. All good, all good. The last time Corey Connors lost strokes off the tee was the Genesis Invitational of 2021. I mean, that is uh <laughs> that is some consistency. Uh just finished 11th at Bay Hill where he lost three strokes on the greens. So obviously completely powered by the ball striking, picking up 11.3 strokes tee to green last week alone. You know, if the weather gets tough, Will, we haven't really mentioned this too much, but we have mentioned the weather, but also the fact that you want to be leaning ball strikers in difficult weather. When it's cold out, and I'm just, you know, kind of explaining for our listeners, obviously they probably know this. Uh, we've all hit a, you know, a five iron, a little thin in cold conditions. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and rather than that thing normally going, you know, 190 yards, it goes about 150 yards. So um, breaks your damn hands too. Yeah. Breaks. Exactly. Arthritis for days yeah. <laughs> or years. <laughs> um, but in it, terms of uh, how important it is, like quality of strike, obviously in cold conditions and also in really windy conditions. Well, if you miss hit a seven iron into a cold breeze that thing will go 30 percent shorter than yeah. it normally would relative to you know obviously calm conditions so the fact that we're going to be leaning towards these ball strikers uh you know when the weather gets tough you want guys that strike the ball really well Corey connors is really you know top tier in in terms of that so for first pick to place Corey connors top 20 plus 230 um for my next one you got to have one plotter on the, on the card this week, you know, a point A to point B kind of guy. Um, you know, you think of these Fred Funks, you think of KJ Choi's, you think of Tim Clark's. Okay. Another one that kind of fits into that mold would be Brian Harmon. So Brian Harmon top 20 plus four fifty. Uh, he has three top tens at the players since 2015 top tens in his last two starts here. One of the few guys coming in with that kind of form. Um, he had a, the reason this number is so high is he had an absolutely awful stretch uh, <laughs> during the fall series where he lost strokes tee to green uh, five weeks in a row. I don't know if he went right-handed for that stretch, but he is back to hitting it how he normally does, uh, the left-handed player that he is. He's been playing um, you know, much better as of late. He has a third at the Amex and a 14th at the Phoenix Open, which is a peak die, which is one of the course comps, which is one of the same kind of similar greens we're kind of going in with. You know, I'm not even looking for a top 10 here. You know, that would obviously be three in a row for him at this event. But all you need is a top 20 at plus 450. I'm going to jump on that every single day for, for a guy like Brian Harmon. Um, and then for my last one, it is going – my last pick to place is going to be Keegan Bradley, top 20 plus 450. That can be found on points bet. Uh, Keegan has picked up strokes tee to green in his last six events. You know, he's one of the – another guy you think of that's just a, you know, ball striker and kind of sucks at putting. but 
top 20, he can have a you know, crappy putting week and still be fine. He's coming off an 11th, the Arnold Palmer. Um, he's made the cut in his last five starts here. I think that's a testament to how really consistent he is uh, from tee to green. Two of those being top 20s. That's all he needs this week to cash a plus 450 ticket. So I just like that number this week for him. So recapping my picks to place, we got Corey Connors top 20 plus 230, Brian Harmon top 20 plus 450, and Keegan Bradley top 20 plus 450. And on to uh, my dark horse for the Players' Championship. I only have one this week. Uh, it's going to be Jason Day top 20 plus 330 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, Jason Day was originally all over my card before the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Unfortunately, he had to withdraw due to the death of his mother. Um, and I was critical towards the beginning of the season. I was, I was unsure what the future of his game looked like with the back issues and you know how he how, how stuck his mood looked when he swung the golf club earlier in the year. But that's yeah, going to be a little chilly on the weekend. Going to be a little chilly on the weekend. That could be something that uh, pops uh, up. Led, but you know the back rested a bit last week. I don't know. I, okay, okay, okay. No, you're right. I'll, I'll, always a um, a WD um, scare there for day. Anytime the temperature drops like below 80 degrees, so um, you know. But I got to roll the dice on him. That's why he's my dark horse. You know, I I, I love the work that he's doing with the uh, new swing coach Chris Como. Based on what I saw at the Farmers, where he finished third, and based on what I saw at Pebble where he finished 24th. Those are his last two starts. Jason Day looks to be dialed back in uh, with the ball striking. The the solid putting has gone nowhere. Led and I have talked about how Day spends about six hours a day on the putting green, so we expect nothing less. Frankly, I'm surprised how um, I'm giving him a dark horse odds this week for this, for this ticket. It's going to be uh, Jason Day, top 20, plus 330 on DraftKings Sportsbook for my dark horse. I like that pick. Well, um, you know, he's one of those guys who, you know, you go back a couple of years and was obviously kind of a top five, top 10 favorite, you know, another guy that kind of jumps out like that, maybe former champ here, former, former champ here. Another guy like that is like a Gary Woodland, you know, yeah. um, a couple of years ago would have been in the top 10 favorites and, you know, kind of all those events, especially after winning the U S open stuff like that whether it's injury kind of loses their game a little bit, but if they show a little bit of form, they're still that same player. You know what I mean? So the fact that we can kind of jump on that, I think is a. Uh... Well, I saw uh, Woodland's matchup this week against Tony Finau. Uh, I talk about two like wild drivers of the golf ball on this golf course. You're going to have to, you have to flip a coin with that one. Certainly, certainly. But you know, the one thing about, we're getting off topic here, but the one thing about Woodland is he is so long, obviously Finau is as well, but Woodland's extremely long and Woodland's kind of known for those like stingers off the ah, tee, beautiful. you know, he's, I think, uh, obviously he's going to be able to, going to need to get the driver on track this week. But in terms of, uh, in terms of that, I think he shouldn't have, you know, too much of an issue hitting fairways just because he can, he can lay back off the tee and get it to the same spot. Pretty much everyone else is, but for my dark course, I'm taking Lee Westwood at 150 to one to win. Um, he's made the cut in seven of his last eight PGA tour starts. He's picked up strokes T to green in five of his last six, you know, always been one of the best ball strikers on tour. Will, when you kind of think of that list of, you know, best ball strikers over the last 20 years, people that kind of pop up are obviously, you know, a Sergio, maybe an Adam Scott, obviously a tiger. Um, 
but then, you know, Lee Westwood is in that group as well. It's just always a guy who's, you know, been able to do it from T to green. Um, finished runner up here last year. Uh, obviously coming in with uh, a little bit of confidence and, you know, played really well through the entire Florida stretch last year when you go back to it. I think he had a runner up at Bay Hill um, last year as well. Um, also has two other top 10, so it's not exactly a flash in the pan. He, pan. He's has done well here in the past. Uh, and then just has a ton of reps relative to most of the guys out here. You have a guy like, you know, a lot of the guys in the top 10 might be on their third start or on their fourth start. I mean, this guy's got 10 plus starts at this event. So I think that's huge um, coming in here. 115 to one. I think it's worth a worth a little long shot there. No doubt. And to uh, my winners for the Players' Championship, I have three this week, led. I'm going Brooks Kepka at 40 to 1 on points bet. I'm going Matthew Fitzpatrick, 40 to 1 on DraftKings, and Daniel Berger, 34 to 1 on FanDuel. Uh, Berger competed here multiple times, um, has been in the mix before. And um, I certainly look at Berger as someone who's definitely going to win a major this year. Um, does it start at the player championship? We'll see. He was knocking on the door at the Honda classic a couple weeks ago, uh, before he completely faltered in the final round. So, uh, just looking over my winners again, Brooks Kepka 40 to one on points, bet. Matthew Fitzpatrick 40 to one on DraftKings, and Daniel Berger 34 to one on FanDuel. Love those picks. Will. and moving into my picks to win this week, I kind of got a guy from each tier here. So you got Patrick Cantlay at 24 to one on FanDuel. You know, may not have great course history at TPC Sawgrass, but he does play great on TPC courses. Patrick is the number two player strokes gained on Pete Dye in his last 50 rounds. Um, so for my first pick to place, Cantlay, 24 to 1. Guess who's number one on strokes gained? Pete Dye in his last 50 rounds. Dustin Johnson at 34 to 1 on FanDuel. He is also the number one wind player in his last 50 rounds. So talk about two kind of stats that we like that are going to be matching up for, for him to do well. For my next one, Shane Lowry at 50 to 1 on DraftKings. He's coming off a runner-up at the Honda. You know, if the weather gets dicey, I think that could certainly favor Lowry. You think of a guy, obviously, who won the British Open in those, you know, those really difficult conditions. Has a bit of course history here coming off a top 10 last year. I like that number for him. Gary Woodland at 80 to 1 uh, is on is on DraftKings. So he's coming off of coming off back-to-back top fives at the Honda Classic and Bay Hill. He's picked up 11 strokes tee to green and over nine strokes putting in his last two events. Former US Open champion seems to be back in form after battling injuries for a couple years. Well, like I said, whether it's a Jason Day or a Gary Woodland, like these guys, when they're healthy and playing well are in this top tier. The fact that we can get Woodland at 80 to one, even after back-to-back top fives, I think is uh, is a good enough number to jump on. Well, and another thing to think about is just kind of how these books react to little, you know, minor finishes. As we know, golf is a game of inches, right? So let's say Gary Woodland hits a good bunker shot in 17 last week at the Arnold Palmer, right? Gets up and down, post six unders, wins Bay Hill has got the red jacket on. How are these books reacting to him? Probably pretty well in terms of, you know, maybe he's in that 50 to one range, 55 to one. He just won last week, you know, maybe starting to string something together. The fact that he doubled 17 finished runner up there. And now that number is at 80 to one. I think let's just take advantage of the fact that golf's a game of inches and uh, you know, we can get him at a lot better number because of that. So 
you know, Gary is a guy obviously that tears up par five, super long off the tee. Um, so I just, I think that number is too good to pass up on. So for my four picks to win, I have Patrick Cantley at 24 to one, Dustin Johnson, 34 to one. Those are both found on FanDuel. And then I have Shane Lowry at 50 to one and Gary Woodland at 80 to one. Those can be found on DraftKings. Yeah. And my, uh, moving on to our, uh, degenerate pick of the week. Um, I'm going to go with Mark Leishman plus 450 to lead the Australian leaderboard. Now, obviously very unhappy with the. Uh, result last week from Leishman. I had a top 20 ticket on him, ended up hitting 68th. But it's interesting. You go down the list of his prior results, and when he kind of has an, a, a, a finish like that, you know, he finished 38th at the CJ Cup and then followed it up with 19th place finish at, the, at Houston and then 10th at Century. Then he finished 36th at Sony and then backed that up with 16th at the Farmers and 15th at the Genesis. Um, and then obviously 68th last week at the, uh, at the Arnold Palmer. But I mean, you look at over the years for, uh, for, for Leishman at the players, really nothing special Two missed cuts in his last two years. Did have an eighth place finish back in 13th, back in 2013, which, you know, no one cares about it's too, too long ago. Um, you know, but I, I have to take the, I have to roll the dice as far as, Usually when Leishman has a bad week like that, he rebounds in a big way. Um, so I'm going to go ahead with uh, Mark Leishman plus 450 top Australian leaderboard for my degen pick of the week. Well, what categorized that as a degenerate pick for you? I feel like that's a, you know, that's a nice play there. I really went full blown degen on my bet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I went, you know, whether it's a degenerate bet or a fun bet or something like that, you know, I think the bet I chose is a uh, is a great bet because you can just grab a six pack, you know, put one of your three screens on the you know featured seventeenth hole cam and just sit there and wait. It's it's kind of like the golf version of just fishing. You know what I mean? You just yeah. you throw your you cast it out there and uh, but what it is is it's plus two fifty. There will be a hole in one on the seventeenth hole this week. Uh, that is can be found on DraftKings. Like I said, kind of like a fishing bet. You just throw it out there, throw a little bobber on it, and hope someone uh, hope someone goes after it. You know, we had a hole-in-one in 2016, hole-in-one 2017, also one in 2019. No hole-in-ones last year, so you'd assume we're due, Doc. No, I, I would agree. I would agree. It's going it, it, uh, to happen in this weather, you know, I, and it's going to happen. That's for the whole tournament, right? Yeah, you get every single day, yeah. Yeah, it's going to happen, you know, late Friday when it's – pissing sideways and like you know 65 degrees we'll see it, it's going to be interesting with where the hold locations are on 17 this year with the weather yeah and i mean we won't go full advanced analytics on a degen bet but given the fact that we're going to get a little rain right um greens are going to be a little softer than they normally would maybe more opportunities for the ball to go in because it's going to be obviously bouncing to go in on the yeah. fly to be hopping forward since the greens are soft, we're actually going to be able to get a little backup, especially to that front pin there. So just more opportunities to dance around that flag stick and hopefully have one uh, go in. Yeah, and on to uh, our drafting lineups for the week. Led back in the mix. We're tied up 4-4. Four to four. He won last week. But uh, here's the lineup I'm going to go with this week. Daniel Berger, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Jason Day, Corey Connors, Mito Pereira, and JT Poston, who has had some uh, sneaky good finishes at the players in the past, has not done much too far this year, but um, love Posted being my caboose this week. So it's going to be 
Daniel Berger, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Jason Day, Corey Connors, Mito Pereira, and JT Poston. That's a solid lineup. I'm going with Colin Morikawa, Dustin Johnson, Shane Lowry, Corey Connors, Lee Westwood, and Russell Knox, the Jacksonville University alum. I think he still lives in the area. I'm sure he's played out there a couple of times and has been playing great um, the last couple of weeks here. So that is my DraftKings lineup. On to our scoring predictions. Um, I'm cashing up a bit, a bit there with lead. It's currently four to three. I uh, got my second dub in a row in that category last week. Uh, lead, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking a little bit lower than usual at Sawgrass this week. Um, you know, going over the weather again, it's, you know, Thursday and Friday, you know, 90% chance of rain. And then Saturday, Sunday, it's going to drop to uh, high 40s, low 50s. So it's going to be absolutely brutal. Lead. I'm going with eight under par for the winning score this week. <laughs> Love it. I actually chose nine under par, so I'm <laughs> taking the over. Um, geez, at some point, we're going to accidentally guess the same one, and one of us are going to have to move off uh, what we like. But, um, yeah, I just think, you know, the average kind of most – what was it I said earlier? Ten out of the 12 uh, have, of the last 12 starts at this event have finished between 10 and uh, 16 under par. Yeah. So uh, being it – a little bit tougher. We're looking for something in kind of those single digits, but um, well, without further ado, let's move into that best bet. My best bet for this week is Colin Morikawa top 10 plus 180 that can be found on draft Kings. He is coming off a fifth of the century, a runner up at the Genesis in which he picked up strokes in every category, including seven strokes with the putter. So it's nice for uh, you know a guy like Colin who I wouldn't say struggles with the putter, but that's definitely not his, uh, his uh you know main staple the fact that he had a good putting week a couple weeks ago well what do you think of this i think colin morikawa i know they've been doing these comps between him and tiger most people will like freak out like flip a table when they see the tiger woods compared to the sorry the colin morikawa compared to tiger woods uh you know graphics and stuff like that but he's being compared for a reason you know what i mean um realistically, right, if we had Colin Morikawa and he was playing against these late 90s, early 2000s fields, you know, it's kind of like Wilt Chamberlain playing against post, uh, you know, uh, guys that work at the post office. And, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> in terms of how Tom, Tom Brady thrown to UPS drivers. Yes, exactly. So realistically, if you know, Colin was playing during that time period, he'd probably have five plus majors, 20 plus wins, even the you know, way he's played this early on in his career. I mean, Tiger was winning majors by 10-plus shots in his heyday. And now with how deep the fields are, I just don't think that's doable. I mean, you have guys like Gary Woodland who are like 80-1 to in fields like this versus, you know, going back to, you know, the old days. Jeez, I don't know. Just obviously the quality of the fields have gotten way better. And I think the fact that even Colin already has two majors to this point uh, is, you know, an incredible player. I love betting on Colin top 10 because he's so damn consistent in a course that is so imperative in terms of ball striking. You're getting a guy who it's over 72% of fairways, 76% of greens. You know, he's the best par four score in the field. Fourth best par five score leads a tour in bogey avoidance. Absolutely love that stat coming into a tough week here uh, weather wise. So there's really no other guy I'd rather have in the field at a, at a top 10 um, than Colin. So, uh, you know, one more little thing may have figured the course out last year with a nice little final round 66. I think that's a, 
that's nicer to come in with than, uh, you know, a guy like Rory who missed the cut by 10. But uh, I think the more starts Colin gets here, the better he will play. Um, you know, finished 41st last year, but, you know, the type of player he is and the way he's playing right now, I think he has no problem uh, with a top 10 at plus 180 Colin Morikawa on DraftKings for my best bet. Nice. And yeah, my uh, best bet for the week, uh, I said it earlier before we got started in the matchup, it's going to be Dustin Johnson minus 110 um, over Louis Ustase. And then, you know, talk about someone that's going to have trouble, a little bit of trouble, you know, getting the body ready uh, for the cold weather, the rain, Louis Ustase and, um, you know, that back seizes up. And, you know, when we're talking about DJ, it's a guy that uh, he, he's looking for that first kind of big step at 2022. Like we talked about earlier, kind of had some delays in the fall. Not delays, but other things he's focusing on. Obviously, the wedding, guy getting married. Um, I think, you know, the Players' Championship is is where he kind of makes his start for the 2022 season led. And you made, a, you made an excellent point. If there's kind of one major tournament that's missing from DJ showcase. It, it is the players. Yeah. And will just adding on to that. Remember number one player strokes gained on Pete Dye in his last 50 rounds by 10 plus shots. So it's like not even close relative to the rest of the field and number one wind player in the field. I mean, those stats matching up nicely for your best bet. Love that nugget lad. Love that nugget. Well, Hey, listen, um, best of luck to everyone with their picks uh, for the, uh, for the player championship. Uh, before we take off here, you can follow uh, James on Twitter at James Ledbetter and on Instagram at James Led. You can follow me on Twitter at DRMedia59 um, and on Instagram at KingDoctor1. Uh, Led, any other notes before we take off here? Well, I mean, I may need to open like a Twitch account and just go live for me watching the uh, 17th hole so then people can get the live reaction if there's a hole in one. <laughs> a, a, a lead cam? Yeah, a little little, lead cam for for 17. I love it, lad. Hey, well, great work today. Uh, Best of luck, everyone. Uh, This is the Golf Preview Podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview, and we will see you next week. Let's get it.